because of who this Jesus is, and that's what we've been centering on this Christmas season, to reflect and focus upon the identity of that, that little baby in the hay. And there are many answers to that question, who is this Jesus, and we've focused particularly on the I am statements of Jesus, but even as you saw in that uh, little film, uh, there are many words we could use to describe Jesus. He's the Redeemer. Uh, last night, he's Emmanuel, God with us. He's also our friend. You could speak of his, his Lordship. He is Lord. He is God. Uh, he is Savior. He, he's the one who has come for us. I, I was reading this uh, a couple weeks ago uh, about another name of Jesus, uh, um, that he is the great physician, and it reminded me of a story I also uh, read that kind of struck home about physicians, and, and maybe you might appreciate it. A, vet, a veterinarian was feeling ill and went to see her doctor. The doctor asked her all the usual questions. What were the symptoms? How long had they been occurring, etc.? Suddenly, she interrupted him. Hey, look, I'm a vet. I don't need to ask my patients those kind of questions. I can tell what's wrong by just looking at them, she smugly added. Why can't you? The doctor nodded, stood back, looked her up and down, quickly wrote out a prescription, handed it to her and said, there you are. Of course, if that doesn't work, we'll have to put you to sleep. (laughs) Well, my goal this morning is not to put you to sleep, but hopefully as we think about again Christmas, this familiar theme about who this Jesus is will strike our hearts in a deep way. Sometimes, and Brennan shared that a couple times, we become too familiar uh, with a Christmas event. And often I like to use the word event than story because the story almost sounds like something that might not be true. And of course, we, we are convinced that the story about Jesus is true. And if that's, if that's the case, then Jesus being the great physician or the doctor, he, he really is the one who can who can find our need and, and meet it and at its deepest level. And so this morning, we want to again look at who this Jesus is and, and focus about what he wants to say to us. And if you have your outlines this morning, it might help you uh, stay in tune to what I'm going to say and keep me in line as well. But I, I want to talk about what I'm not going to preach on, and then I'm going to talk about what I am going to preach on. And, and I really only have one point, though I might throw a few things in for free. Uh, I, I want to talk about Jesus being the good shepherd. Uh, and that's what I'm going to preach on, but let me just talk about what I'm not going to preach on. Because Jesus has spoken. As we think about who he is, we don't simply have to ask somebody else's opinion. We can just listen to our Lord's own opinion. Because he made some statements about himself, and we have seen that. We have not really spent a lot of time on it, but we've challenged many people to, to look at the last book in the Bible and, and look at Jesus making an I am statement in in the gospel, not the gospel of John, but the revelation of John. And and, in that particular passage in Revelation 1.8, Jesus said this about himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And he went on, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We don't think of little children, little babies in a manger and think, that's the Almighty one. But that's the one who came that we celebrate at Christmas. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He, he's the beginning of the alphabet and the end of the alphabet and everything in between. He, he is the one who has an eternity past and an eternity future. He, he's the one that's always been. He didn't just arrive on the scene that Christmas night. But not only is he the Alpha and the Omega, he's also the bread of life. Jesus said, 
to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes me shall never thirst. And so as we think about Jesus, we think about the one who self-identified himself as the one who really can satisfy our, our, our deepest longing for a relationship with God. When we're all hungry, we, we know we need food, and we find it somewhere. When you're hungry physically, you have an agenda, you have a, a step to take. But when you're hungry spiritually, where do you go? And people go in all different directions, but there's only one who will truly satisfy because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He also made a statement, and we've looked at that already. He, he, Jesus said he's the door of the sheep. And there are many times, many of us have been lost and trying to find some place. Maybe if you've gone to somebody's home the very first time, and it's not as obvious as it is in, in some um, households, you, you can't find the front door. Why do I get into this place? Well, God wants us to know clearly how to get in. And he's identified his son as the door, the entry point into a relationship with God. He is the door of the sheep. Jesus also said that I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Every one of us are in different places in our spiritual journey. Some are still on the outside looking in. Are you going to make that first step? Some of you have been walking with God for a variety of days, weeks, months, years. We're at various spots in the journey. As I look back at the beginning of my journey, uh, there was a very simple reason that motivated me to consider the, the claims of Christ, and that was, I want to know what's going to happen when I die. And that's when Jesus made that statement. Because his friend Lazarus had died. And he wanted them to know that he had the source of life. And then Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And again, as we celebrate Christmas together, beginning the day, we do so not because it's wishful thinking, but we believe it's true. And then last, uh, last night, we, as we celebrate Christmas Eve together, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but have light of life. And so we want to know that Jesus is the one who guides us step, day by day, step by step, and he brings purpose into our life. Well, that's not what I'm going to preach on this morning. That's just some, by way of review. But what I want to talk about is that Jesus is the good shepherd. And so in your outline this morning, we're, we're going to look at another passage that I think is fairly familiar to most of us in the Old Testament about the whole shepherdology in the, in the, in the Bible for us. But Jesus made a very clear statement. He said, I am the good shepherd. Now, I always speak very profound things to, to you every Christmas uh, or every Sunday. And I don't want to make a very, very, very deep theological thought to you this morning. Jesus is the good shepherd in contrast to being the, the bad shepherd. Now you go home. That's all I have to say. All right. <laughs> Jesus said that he is the good shepherd. And, and what, as he was saying that, he was saying there are shepherds out there, but they're not good. And so he wanted them to know that they could trust in him. There were those who were trying to lead people astray or who weren't there in the time of need, and he said, I am the good shepherd. And he goes, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. 
I know my sheep and am known by them. And so, as you think about Christmas, think about Jesus being the one who comes to care for those he brings in to his family. He is the good shepherd in contrast to the bad shepherd who, when trouble comes, departs. But I thought as we looked at this section that we would turn to a familiar passage in the Old Testament that speaks about God being our shepherd. So I'm sure none of you have ever heard this particular psalm, Psalm 23. But just in case it's good to have by way of review, let's, let's look at Psalm 23. And I want to read the psalm, make a few simple observations, and then bring it home as we think about, okay, what does that mean for us? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> oh, my, my daughter-in-law... Uh, Jenny, who's married to my oldest son, she was, uh, I, I, you know, not that I ever eavesdrop, but sometimes I do. <laughs> she was, uh, I'm hoping this gets me off my uh, whatever, but she was try- describing our family, and she was talking about how people pick who they're going to get, you know, their par- life partner, and, and if you haven't heard that uh, Mark is uh, now engaged to Lori, why don't you stand up? Uh, <laughs> You don't have to obey your pastor, but you can obey your dad. Why don't you stand up? All right. right. And it was interesting. Uh, Jenny was talking to Lori, giving her wise counsel in terms of the Johnson family. And she said, you know, know, when I married Tim, you know, I was like, I I married a person who I just exactly needed. You know, it's a person that, that was... Uh, you know, kind of the opposite of me. I'm kind of feisty and whatever, and I needed someone really kind and gracious and gentler, just really tender in touch with their feelings, just like, like Tim's mom, Alice, you know. <laughs> and then Lori, who's so gracious and loving and sensitive, you know, she, she, uh, she needed to marry someone kind of feisty like Mark. <laughs> and, um, I'm, and I was listening to all this, and I'm saying, so you're saying I'm not the kinder, gentler... <laughs> So, sensitive type. So anyway, I, I don't know why this happens to me on Sundays sometimes. But as we think about God, God touches, you know, lives, no matter, you know, what kind of personality style you are or, or where you come from, and he wants to touch you at, at the deepest point. And, and so he goes on the psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and your, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
as I read through that psalm rather rapidly to try and keep my emotions together, is, as, we, as we think about that, there's some simple observations we can take about Jesus being the good shepherd. Beyond him being the good in contrast to the bad shepherd. He, he is the shepherd that was announced to us in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the New Testament. In fact, it's not identified here in Psalm 23 as who that shepherd is or will be. But when Jesus arrived on the scene, he said, in case you didn't get it, I'm that shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And in case you didn't want to hear it just from Jesus, later on in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, I believe it is, uh, Peter says this about Jesus as being the chief shepherd. He, he's the shepherd that, that King David made reference to as, as the one in which if you know him, you shall not want. Well, as we think about celebrating Christmas, I, I want to make a few observations about what that shepherd should, should do and should be in your life if you really know him. First of all, I would, I would make this simple observation that the shepherd, the good shepherd, is the one who provides. And, and that's a simple observation from the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Is as we think about Jesus being the shepherd, the good shepherd, we realize, first of all, that he was willing to come down and, and be that first time he came, not the king of kings that everyone that came and to bow their knee to him, but he came as a servant. The shepherd, interesting enough, was not exactly high on the economic scale of businesses you might want to invest your entire life in. In fact, if you had a larger family and you had sheep and you had a number of people who could do the job, the one who got the job was the youngest child. And David, if you remember the story of David, he was the shepherd because all the other brother, brothers were a little bit higher up in the birth order and they didn't have to take that job. That job was one in which you had basically on duty 24 hours a day. You had to work with smelly, selfish-oriented type creatures and, and, and it was... It was just a, a life filled often with, with loneliness and very little appreciation other than someone had to do the job and you got it. And, and Jesus came as the one who is the self-existent one. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. And he, he came down to be our shepherd. And as our shepherd, he came to provide. To, to meet us at our deepest need. To provide that which we could not provide for ourselves. To take people like us, who at times think we don't need anything, and yet we lack everything, and receive from the one who initially appeared not to be the Almighty One, but in, but in reality lacked nothing, but He gave to us. You know, I'm not a shepherd or a son of a shepherd, but I, I did read some words from a shepherd, uh, Philip Keller, and he, he made this comment. He said in, in terms of providing for sheep who sometimes don't want to take what only you can give them. He said, if, if you bring sheep to quiet waters, they won't initially lie down and graze and, and be refreshed. There are some barriers that will keep them from, from getting what they need. Any summarized it with four words. He said, if, if they're fearful, they're filled with fear, if somehow there's friction, 
if there are flies and if there's famine, they won't take what they need. You know, fear, the idea of if they're so, you know, mostly tra traumatized, and I don't know how a sheep gets traumatized, but if it's traumatized, it, it, it just can't stay still enough to, to get what they need. They'll be so scattered. And some people don't receive from God what they need because they're fearful about what will happen if they give their lives to God. And, and they're afraid of that step, and so they never take that step. The idea of friction was interesting. I, I guess within the, the sheep fold, sometimes there's some animosity between one sheep and another sheep. And if there's too much friction within the flock, it will cause all of them not to graze and receive what they need. Often that happens. Maybe within the family, maybe within the church. And people can't, they can't come to the shepherd because they look at all the other sheep and they, they miss what God can give. Sometimes the flies, the flies are really those things that just are so irritating to you that you get caught so much up in life that you don't experience life. And the other interesting one was famine, which is the idea if if a sheep is too hungry, they won't eat. Sometimes we're that way. Uh, maybe not with physical food, but we're, we're so hopeless, we feel there's no place for hope. So as we think about Jesus being the shepherd, he, he's the one who provides. Even, even when at times we want to run from him, if we'll run to him, no matter how much fear, friction, irritating flies, or famine come to him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He goes on in the, the shepherd's description of this good shepherd, this chief shepherd. In, in verse 3, he restores my soul, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. You know, as you think about restoration, restoration is, a, is an interesting experience in terms of uh, maybe even our own experiences. Sometimes maybe we've had a piece of furniture and uh, it, it uh, has gone through a lot of transformations. Uh, I, I'm not a restorer, but I've done some attempts at it. And maybe there was a piece of, of, of wood furniture that people decided that it wasn't quite in style, so they decided to paint it. And then they put one paint, color paint on it, and then they didn't like that color, so they put another color paint on it, and they put another color paint on it. To the point where it wasn't so shabby chic anymore, that it was just a piece of junk. And then they said, well, maybe, maybe beneath all those layers, there's something, there's something there. And so you take the time to take layer after layer after layer, and you find there's precious wood. That's what God does. He takes our lives. And restores them back to what he had originally planned. Interesting, I was, uh, again, reading about sheep, and Philip Keller says that a sheep can be cast down. I don't know if you've uh, heard about cast down sheep. It's kind of like some of you lived in places where, for fun, people would tip, tip cows. Anybody ever tipped a cow? <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly the same, but it seems like it. Is a, is a, a sheep, if it gets a little bit heavy, long fleeced, and uh, gets a little bit too relaxed, it will settle down in a particular uh, place uh, around the still waters or whatever it might be and just kind of lay back and stretch. Anybody want to stretch? And, you know, just kind of 
take a nap, whatever it might be. And, that, and I guess that sheep does that, and all of a sudden it kind of tips by itself. And initially, if I was like, you know, this is not a good place to be. And, it, you know, kind of it's, its legs are extended on one side, and it says, I can fix this. Put some effort into it and, and taking a little problem and made it a big problem. And now instead of the sheep being on the side, it's now on its back with its legs going up like this. And the story goes that if the shepherd has not come and put that sheep back on its feet, that sheep will actually die in a few hours. God's the one who takes us extended and puts us back on our feet. He restores us back to where we need to be. Who is this uh, good shepherd? He's the one who provides. He's the one, he's the one who restores. And he's the one who comforts. Now, I had some very uh, interesting stories I could tell in this particular area. But let me just read the text and make a, an abbreviated application to it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your, stump, uh, your, your, rod and your staff, they... What's the next word there? Comfort me. Okay. Many have had an interesting Christmas season this year, and many of you have already had those Christmas seasons where there's someone missing. And amidst the joy, there's grief. God doesn't take away the grief. He comforts you in the grief. That's the good shepherd. But the final one we want to focus on about Jesus being the good shepherd is that not only does Jesus provide, he restores, he comforts, but he saves. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. What's the next word there? Forever. God doesn't punch a clock. He's not a shepherd sometimes, a good shepherd sometimes, and an absentee shepherd another time. When you have him as your shepherd, it's that which lasts forever. And so he is the shepherd that saves. As we reflect this Christmas on why we are here, we're here to know the shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that when you came, you came not to confuse us, but to clear up that which was not so obvious to even your, your people who you have spoken to so clearly in the past. And so Jesus came to identify himself by his life, by his miraculous works, by his word, 
and then by his sacrifice, and then his victory over death, then his appearance after his death, then his empowering of his people to have changed lives. And Father, we pray that we might be a people to recognize that you, you've come for us to experience the shepherd, the good shepherd at Christmas. Father, help us to be fully aware that you are the one who provides, you are the one who restores, you are the one who comforts, and you're the one who saves. Father, calls us to long for a, first of all, a relationship with you, and then a deep and abiding one. Help us to be fully devoted to the one who came for us. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.